Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 15. Episode 40. This is Writing Excuses, researching for writing the other. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Piper. I'm Dan. I'm Sylvia. I'm Tempest. I'm Nisi. <laughs> and we are super excited to have you all on our show today. Yes. Hooray! <laughs> Hooray! So today for our special guests, um, we have author Sylvia Moreno-Garcia, and we also have Nisi Shaw, fabulous author and editor, and the person who wrote, co-wrote the book, Writing the Other, which is why we want to have her. Um, but I wanted to to have you both here because we are talking about research and writing the other. And both of you have written several works that require some research and in which you have written people who are not exactly like you. Uh, but first, I would like you both to sort of introduce yourselves, tell us a little bit about you and uh, about what you write. So let's start with Sylvia. Uh, hello, I am Silvia Moreno-Garcia, and I am a writer and an editor. I actually won a World Fantasy Award for working on a all-woman Lovecraftian anthology called She Walks in Shadows a few mm. years ago. Um, and um, most recently, I wrote a book called Gods of Jade and Shadow, which is set in the 1920s in the Jazz Age, but has elements of Mayan mythology. So pre-Hispanic Mesoamerican elements set in the 1920s in Mexico. Awesome. Cool. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I'm Nisi Shawl and also a writer and editor and had the extreme pleasure of editing an anthology in which I was so honored to get a story by Sylvia. <laughs> and uh, the research th uh, that I engaged in was for a novel called Everfair, uh, set in the Congo in an alternate past um, in which... King Leopold was defeated. That's always a good alternate past. <laughs> An alternate past where King Leopold is defeated. It's an excellent one. Um, so to start with, uh, Sylvia, you were actually the one who, who suggested this topic. And so I guess I want to say, like, why was it that, that you were thinking specifically about research um, when it comes to, to thinking about writing the other? Um, I, well, I think it's an integral part of any writing process, but of course, an integral part of uh, writing about uh, somebody that you don't know or a culture that you don't know would involve, you know, a lot of research. And I think people are sometimes um, overwhelmed 
mm-hmm. um, and they don't realize the resources that they have available in their community. And, and there are many, and we will probably go through uh, some of them, um, but, you know, libraries, your community library is a really good resource. And I don't think it gets mined enough the way it should. Mm-hmm. So some of that, but but there are other um, sources of information and also how to, um, you know, evaluate uh how good this source of information is going to be for you because um, not every source of information is going to be useful for your research and not all of them are, you know, exactly on the same level of accuracy. We talk a lot about fake news, Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, this is not necessarily a new phenomenon where, you know, things are colored in a certain way and you have to know that and think about that a little bit ahead of hand, I think, when you're engaged in this kind of research. Absolutely. You have to triangulate Mm -hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my contribution would be that um, while you're doing research uh, with texts, with writing, that you should back that up with uh, other sensory experiences mm-hmm. in your researching. And that my favorite way to do this is through an ethnic festival mm-hmm. when you're not like invading other people's spaces, you're actually um being a, uh, invited to experience uh, a cultural phenomenon. That's, That's a very good, very yeah. good note. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you are first starting out on research, as you said, like a lot of people can get overwhelmed. Um, and I also think there are a lot of people who just like literally do not know how to do it. Like they, they know exactly. how to Google, yeah. but they don't necessarily <laughs> know how to Google well. Exactly, um, yes. And, and they may know that like they can go to the library, but they don't know that they can say like, actually go up to a research librarian and say, this is what I'm researching. Can you please help me? So, mm-hmm. so, but what are, what are some of the other like things that you, you would tell somebody who like just literally does not know like where to begin or like who they can tap to like mm-hmm. even just begin that research process? Yeah. I mean, books are always a good entry point, uh, but you should look at a good textbook. Um, you know, for example, if, if you're doing, something like like I did, like say Mayan mythology, you should look at good, solid seminal textbook, you know, something that students are studying and then look back at the bibliography and mm-hmm. look at all, there's going to be like a long list of texts and kind of go um, through them and see which ones are available through your, um, your uni- um, sometimes it might be your university library. Some of these might be available if you have a university library nearby, but also just your regular library could get library loan, but just make a list of the ones first, what's, you know, easily off the shelf you could get, you know, go and, and grab mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and, and check it out and really quickly, just kind of like open it, <laughs> take a quick look, you know, look at a few pages, see what it is. Might this be something that I want might want to read later on? No. And if no, just cross it out so you don't, you know, go back and like, did I see that book ah. already? And just mm-hmm. go, with this construct, like an initial, you know, pile of things. Every book will have another bibliography at the back, which will lead you down kind of like a, a rabbit hole, a treasure yes. hunt mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. more and more. But this is just like initially to get kind of like... Um, a lay a lay of the land. Like, what what is there available? You know, like, are there even enough books about the art of the time? Sometimes there might be about some specific aspect of the culture, but not of the other. So maybe there's a lot of stuff about visual arts, but there's almost nothing about culinary arts. And mm-hmm. with that initial hunt, I think you'll get maybe an idea of like, kind of like, you know, like 
how many you know books are out there on this topic mm-hmm. um, and that kind of thing and keep really good track yeah of crossing the ones out that you don't need or that you're not going to have access to but you probably have more access to than you don't because with electronic databases there are many expensive books that like I wouldn't be able to buy but they'll lend them to me through FSCOhost lots of papers and things like that these books are like a hundred dollar books mm-hmm. um, if I went and bought it from the university press. But, you know, you can normally get like kind of like an electronic, you know, part and just like really, like I say, quickly peruse it, you know, just flip through it if you can be like, is this something really interesting or not? And and then, you know, kind of move on. Um, I think that yeah. you bring up an interesting point when it comes to flipping to the back of a book or to the bottom of an article, Mm -hmm. whether it's online, for example, um, to seeing the references, because that can also tell you a little bit about how much research went into the writing of the current article you're reading. Um, And that can also sometimes inform you as to how much has gone behind this article or whether this article is more of a personal perspective, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. And actually, you know, since you... Um, we're researching Mayan stuff. I know that Nisi um, researched a lot of different um, West African stuff um, when it came to the uh, researching the Congo for your book. And I'm currently writing a book that's set in ancient Egypt. And exactly. so I know that like, I have come across this problem a lot where uh, I've discovered that a resource that I have been using is super biased mm-hmm. uh, in mm-hmm. a really terrible way. And, and it has a lot to do with like, the way that, you know, for Egyptology, the discipline that we have now, that's the academic discipline, was started by a bunch of men who were from Europe or America who were Christian, bringing those views into interpreting what was going on in ancient Egypt and how then what they what they said the ancient Egyptians did or what they thought or whatever was influenced by that, but like may not be actually what the ancient Egyptians did, thought or whatever. Um, so... And I know Nisi, um, you know, had a hard time finding some unbiased, like from the perspective of the of the Africans who lived in the Congo at the time, <laughs> sources uh, for yeah. your book. Did you also encounter that? I, I assume that for the Mayans also, it's a very similar sort of situation. I think it is in the sense that uh, most of the Mayan codices were destroyed. We have only a handful left. Oh. Um, so we only have, um, so the actual, you know, pre-Hispanic um material that we have in codex form is very limited. We do have post-conquest accounts, uh, which are written many times by priests uh, who went there and wrote down some stuff. So there's a limited amount of that stuff. And when you read the, you know, post, post-conquest documents, uh, yes, sometimes there is that kind of, of, of bias of like, they were doing really bad thing, things. These were really bad people. And so you have to, um, uh, yeah, kind of like, make your pile of primary and secondary sources and also um, be careful of when they were published. Because like when I did say that uh, it was it was good to get a, an important textbook, sometimes those textbooks can be quite old and, you yes. know, they can be, it can be a seminal textbook from the 1950s, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the one we still use maybe today for Egyptology or any other material. So you have to also think about, um, well, Yes, but it comes from the 1950s. And so what does that mean now that we are not in the 1950s and maybe our understanding of Egyptian cultures or, you know, cultures from the Congo or from the Americas has maybe changed? And maybe it's because, you know, simply we have more information or maybe there was, you know, like a a really bad 
bias in this case. There might be a really bad racial bias. Mm-hmm. Or there might be someone who made their reputation, their career, based on a certain bias. I'm exactly. Thinking, I'm thinking of E. Wallace Budge. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I'm yeah. thinking of um, uh, Evans Pritchard, who um, wrote a book that I used, but at arm's length, mm-hmm. called Witchcraft Among the Azande. Okay? Mm, I read that. Yeah, yeah. I read that. Yeah. <laughs> there, yeah. There's really not too much hiding the bias there. Yeah. I'm wondering... Um, well, as- let me just pause you for just a second for... Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The book of the week, but hold that question. Don't forget it. Okay. Okay. So, would you please tell us about the book of the week? Oh, the book of the week is the one that I was talking about, about Mayan mythology um, that I wrote, um, set in the Jazz Age, and it's called Gods of Jade and Shadow, and it takes place in the 1920s, but it does have Mayan gods interacting with my character, who is, um, you know, a young woman, gets sent on a sort of a quest. She um, opens a box, a chest, and a splinter of bone goes into her finger, which restores to life uh, the death god, the Mayan death god, Hunkame, who needs then to find some pieces of himself that are missing and reclaim his throne. So that's the book of the week. Sounds wow. so good. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Now, Nisi, that question. So the question that I was thinking of asking is, mm-hmm. 
as you go through um, bibliography after bibliography, are certain titles repeated? And what do you do when you find that they're basically talking about the same five books, say? That that tends to happen. If you've ever done any kind of academic research, you also find... um, uh, that that can be quite true. And the other thing that happens in, and why it's good to go back, try to find the source, the original source of something, is that many times they are paraphrased or quoted, only certain segments are quoted. And if you go back and you read the you know first book on that, you realize sometimes that it's not exactly what the others the other people said it was and in, interpret it. So, you know, oh. I think trying to go back to um, the first, you know, time that that was said in, in that book, because we do tend to ask, you know, you know, Jane, Jane Jones said in her seminal text, you know, whatever, whatever. And, some, you know, academics don't read everything either. So sometimes they <laughs> think they know what Jane Jones said. And you go back and you find and you find a different picture. But if you do have, I think, a text that keeps coming up over and over, which is the reason why looking at the bibliographies is so good. It should be marked as something to look at. You know, mm-hmm. because if, if five people are quoting this, maybe, you know, it's something to look at. And you may find out it's like not very good, but <laughs> but then at least, you know, well, not very good. And five people quoted it. So, mm-hmm. you know. Thank you. One of the other things that we also talk about when we tell our students about research is the value of actually sitting down and having conversations with people. Exactly. Um, yeah. And sometimes it's, you know, I'm writing a character who is a Black American, and so I'm going to, like, sit down and talk to some Black Americans about their experience to sort of, like, you know, make sure that I understand certain elements and whatever. And then this is, you know, what sensitivity readers are good for. But I've also found it really invaluable um, finding scholars in that particular discipline that I might be writing in to talk to as well, because then they can, I can ask those questions like, why does everybody always quote Jane Jones from the thing? Um, And so is is that, is that something that that you would also just to suggest to to sort of like every writer, or is that something that, that maybe should happen after like a certain amount of research or? Yeah, I think once you've done a certain amount of research, there may be some natural questions that will start forming um, in your mind. It may include like, why is so-and-so such a scholar on, you know, this kind of monument or or that kind of stuff. And, and when you have that, if you can, um, talking to a specialist can be very good. Um, also, sometimes universities will naturally put some type of programming that may be useful for you to explore. Not all of them. Um, but, you know, if the history department of a local institution, you can check, you know, what events they're having. And if they're having something that is, you know, slightly related to something that you might be interested in, Egyptology and that, you know, in this sense, you know, it might be a good idea to just kind of go sit, you know, listen to the lecture. And then when it's done, maybe talk to the professor. They're always really glad. Not a lot of people, you know, kind of show up for these things. So if you show up and, you, and you're interested and you're like, oh, I know today you were, you know, um, really only talking about this aspect, but I'm interested in this other aspect. Could we, you know, maybe have a chat That's later brilliant. on? Yeah. I think a lot of them will be will be very willing uh, to have it. If you live in a large city, I would say take advantage of that. Yeah. You know, art art galleries also tend to have sometimes things that are open to the public where you can interact sometimes with curators and things like that. And it's a good point to be like, I love it, you know. <laughs> and uh, by the way, <laughs> can we mm-hmm. talk more about, you know, this kind of thing? Yeah. I, I do think it's a really good point to bring up that uh, 
going to a primary source, talking to a specialist is is maybe the second step rather than the first mm-hmm. because they don't want to hear the same 15 obvious questions over <laughs> and over and over again. Yeah. And you can kind of get those out of the way by reading the books and doing the articles and all of that. And then when you need to know more, that's when you go to the specialist. I think that's very true across the board when you're doing any kind of learning or researching. Because how often have we as authors also said to people who are aspiring authors, like, hey, do your research first. If I can send you a let me Google that link (laughs) to you that answers your question, perhaps you shouldn't have wasted that time, both yours and mine, Mm -hmm. on that question asking it directly from me. But rather show me that you've done this foundation of research and you're taking a question and asking me a question that's interesting and stimulating for me because it's a question for the next level. Mm-hmm. And it also gives you deeper insight that you wouldn't have gotten if you had spent all of your time on that foundational 101 set of questions that you could have Googled anyway. Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, my last question for the both of you is uh, we talk a lot about, you know, own voices fiction and, and how important it is. But I've also found that own voices is really important in in scholarship as well. You know, you're going to get a different view of, you know, say women in ancient Egypt from a woman Egyptologist. It doesn't necessarily mean that she's going to like always be the best and she doesn't have her own biases. But like women writing about women in ancient Egypt are going to say different things, are going to notice different things than like, you know, men writing about women in ancient Egypt. Um, Do you find that that is true, like, in terms of, you know, any of the stuff that you all have researched, like the people who are closer to it, who actually come from that culture or are descendants of the people who are from that culture tend to to bring something different, better, deeper to their scholarship, and that may be something that a writer should seek out? Mm Want to go first, Lisa? Okay. Uh, uh, well, I actually have been thinking about um, the, that book, uh, Witchcraft Among the Azande, uh, because while I was really skeptical of what this anthropologist had written, I was able to compare it to practices, uh, contemporary, modern practices, uh, by people who were doing the so-called witchcraft themselves. And um, so that was how I was able to triangulate it. So it wasn't that I was necessarily buying what they said wholeheartedly Mm -hmm. either, especially because they were 100 years removed from the time that I was writing about. But it did, it did help. It did, I think, provide some depth and, yes, a very valuable different take on what was, um, what was going on. Yeah. So I read, um, I had already read uh, The Popol Vuh, which is um, a K'iche, um kind of, a, it's a creation of the world and different legends. And so I had read The Popol Vuh in high school, um, and then I read it again, and I ended up reading three different translations of The Popol Vuh. And the last one that I read, I think the translator worked with an indigenous um author or member of uh, of the indigenous K'iche community. And it came with footnotes, I think, that one. It was very interesting to see how the translations were different one from the other. But also in this case, what the footnotes, what these footnotes, and each one of those uh, versions had different footnotes, what these footnotes were like, because um, he was tying it to the local community and to contemporary practices mm-hmm. and, and things like that. So it was a different experience. And so I'm glad that I read all three 
versions. It's kind of like reading the extended, seeing the extended cut of a movie and then the directors, you know, um, talking in, in a certain part. And so that was, that was very, very useful, I think. And if I hadn't done that, I might have missed out on some stuff that I ended up feeling and thinking about during my writing process. Yeah. That's really cool. I know that we're over time, but I, I just wanted to add on to that. One point that I wanted to make, uh, we're accustomed in, in research a lot of times, especially in sciences, that the most recent work is the best. And when we're researching culture, that's not always true. You know, it may be that the, you know, the translator who worked with the, uh, worked with the indigenous communities and really did this, you know, really detailed study of this one particular aspect might be a, a very old book compared to some of the others. And so, you know, making sure that you are looking for the unbiased sources or as unbiased as they can be, um, it, it may be that the book that has the right information that you're looking for might be very old. And so don't discount something just because it's old. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. At this point, we're going to ask you to recommend to us the homework. The homework. I want you to find a news story, news clipping from before 1980 about a topic that you're interested in researching or learning more about. So if you're interested in learning about feminist discourse, find something before 1980 in a newspaper and take a look. See what it's like. All right. Thank you. Well, listeners, you are out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production. Jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.